0: Good morning. You are tuned to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits, and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. We also stream live at KZYX.org. This is Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener supported community radio, and that is uh, you listeners, supporters, uh, and we are in day three of our fall pledge drive. Our fall pledge drive is um, its going to go on for all week, and we are raising money for our operational expenses. The last time we came to you in the spring, it was for our building fun drive and the theme was moving forward together and we were so excited and we still are, we're well underway in the process of uh, getting the permits and getting ready for our big move to Ukiah, but we still have to keep this radio station operating every day, 24-7. I'm Alicia Bales, live here in the studio in Philo with Michael Hunter, host of Pomo Perspective. We are going to have Pomo Perspective coming up in just a few minutes. Also live in the studio with me is Doug Bro. Good morning to both of you. Hi, morning.
1: hi,
0: Good morning. But before we get into Pomo Perspective, we're going to just take a moment here to uh, ask you to send in some money this morning. So, this is your opportunity. If you appreciate uh, the expansion of our local public affairs programming to include more communities, uh, more voices, keeping Mendocino's diverse communities connected,
1: you can go online. And at kzyx.org, and you can hit the big red donate button. That's a great way to do it as well. I mean, what I really like to tell people, Alicia and Michael, is that, you know, this really weaves together. This is the loom weaving our communities together. It's so important.
0: Transcending time and space. I mean, my, one of my favorite things about KZYX is that, first, we're all listening to the same programming at the same time, but often it's live local programming, and we are calling in and hearing each other's voices at the same time, having a common experience across all of this county and because we stream live on the web across everywhere, I mean, we can be heard anywhere in the world that there's internet. So it's pretty cool. Michael, how many? How long have you been on the air now with Pomo Perspective? Are we coming up on two oh, years?
2: I believe so. I don't even remember when we started. To be honest, you know, I just know we we just ever since we really got into the protecting Jackson demonstration state forest, we've been on the air every month. So. It's been happening fast, real fast, and we've been—I think about two years.
0: Yeah, well, and I think we started before the pandemic, right? Because I remember I your first so. show here in Philo.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. I don't know. It, it might have been before and then right after. So maybe we had a month before and then a the month after. Because I noticed very soon we were wearing masks.
0: Yeah. Uh, maybe you've heard something on Pomo Perspective in the last two years that has moved you. That has opened your eyes, that has given you a new perspective, um, help you understand the indigenous community that lives here and has lived here since time immemorial, that we live on their land, in their community, and we are so, so grateful, Michael, to have you on the airwaves uh, bringing us Pomo Perspective.
2: Yeah, you know, it it, it helps me find myself and what my voice is in this community, i've never felt like i had a voice in this community never felt like i really wanted to have a voice in this community to be honest um i was at one of the concerts in the park and i was talking to a, a few sheriffs friends of mine that we went to that i went to school with and one of them mentioned that they've always wanted to work for the county and i was like whoa that's I never, ever had that thought that I wanted to work for the county. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, of course not. I'm Pomo. I'm I'm a descendant of the Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Indians. I want to work for my county, my tribe, my government. And so I was always on two paths ever since I was little, wearing feathers all the way up. So when you wear feathers in front of children that are your age and they laugh at you, you don't want to wear those feathers with them anymore, right? You don't want to share your culture with them anymore, you know? and over time you start to realize that you are one of a kind we're only three percent of the population that's that that alone tells you you're unique right but not only that your pomo that's unique in this county you know as far as population is concerned but even amongst the pomo i wore my feathers since i was just a little boy i was i was taught it you know i I picked walnuts with my grandmother so I've, i've done all all the things that we've done and uh, it would just never, it would just never, uh, they never, like, like they never crossed paths with with the community so much, other than playing basketball for the high school and college and those things. Uh, but we never crossed paths. And so this uh, radio station has given me the opportunity to find my voice to represent um, Coyote Valley and maybe other Pomos as well, I'm not sure, but my family for sure, and uh, communicate with this community. Um, Maybe what I'll do is I'll give a quick update on the Jackson Demonstration State Forest, and then we'll transition into opening calls to see, you know, what they think about the Native community or what they think how we could maybe bridge our communities. I know the Jackson Demonstration State Forest has, has is, is the cause, is the movement that's been bringing all of our uh, communities together. And we call it Pomo Land Back, and that's kind of our slogan. And but what it really is, is the environment bringing us, our county and our community, our residents together and the tribes together for the first time and um, for a common cause in this county. And that's to save our forest from Cal Fire Forestry. Uh, just to, I know John and I gave uh, update last month on some of the legalities that we were doing with, that we were dealing with, but now we were shifting in more into the movement aspects And so there was a rally, and I believe they call it Jackson, Jackson SaveJacksonStateForest.com or org. You can check that out. And they hosted a rally. My mom was there, and we brought some drums. And uh, it was my first time attending a rally since we started negotiating with Secretary Crowfoot. Was this the the
0: one in Sacramento?
2: Yeah, on the 28th. Mm -hmm. Right. And they pulled it off. And I was like, Whoa. They had a lot of people and you know just so you guys know we're, we're not out there being you know wild we're out there enjoying ourselves we're singing we're conversating the community that we're we're uh, you know that that we're creating i guess the community that we're creating is engaged in one of the most important issues of this time which is the environment and it's not just people out there that don't know what they're doing the people that are saving the environment are the ones that know what they're doing. And it's just, and you know, unfortunately it's taken so long for our community to catch up and realize that you will log yourselves out of jobs. We did that in 95, you know, we can't repeat it, right? And so what we're, what we're trying to do is create a movement to where my generation, your generation, Lisa, you know, that the, we already seen what they did 20, 30 years ago. We can't repeat it. We could beat this. We could do better. You know, so we have our rally. We have Native Americans throughout California. We have a lot of non-Indians. And we're really enjoying ourselves. And the movement, to me, reminds me of Mauna Kea over in Hawaii, where it's just about educating, you know, because the more we educate, the more people we get in our circle, the better chance we have to change legislation. And I think that's where we're going. I don't think Crowfoot, um, nor our tribal liaison, Geneva Thompson, are interested in co-managing our forest. They've they've made it clear in their writings. They've made it clear in uh, how they do not read our own writings that I write towards them. So I believe what we're going to have going towards is we have to change the mandate. We have to have legislation to change the mandate. So when you have Jackson demonstration, this is important, demonstration state forests is to demonstrate that they can log environmentally. That just doesn't even go hand in hand. That's wild to think. We could log environmentally. And then to think today in 2022 that it's even possible with your own eyes when you skid out there in these forests and you see these clear cuts. I show the video, I show the pictures on Pomoland Back, it's on uh, Mendocino Trail Stewards, all these websites. We show it. It's not like we're just saying it. We're actually showing in visuals. And we have to figure out together as a community how to unite more. We need more engagement. Now's the time. We're winning. Remember, they haven't been logging like they were. So we're winning. Now we have to get them into winter. So now's the time. We need you guys' involvement, engagement. You know, And going back to uh, the fundraising we're doing, this gives us the opportunity to share what we're doing, the movement that we're doing with our community and hope that you get more involved with us.
0: Michael, I am really moved and also curious about what you said at the beginning of the show about never feeling like you even wanted to talk to this community and um in in general you know being pomo and feeling ridiculed from the time you were a child for, for wearing your feathers um, and not really feeling like it was some place that you wanted to engage, what changed for you and how, how has it changed um, using the radio and being on the airwaves of the community radio station and engaging in these larger conversations with, with this community? Has it changed your perspective at all? Has it changed how you feel or not?
2: Well, that was a lot to unpack. Um, you know, I was ever since I was in all the way up from junior high. I was I was jumped by many white people. Jumped, you know, like you're punching, you know, from kindergarten to first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, until the eighth when we became you know, the leaders of the block, you know. Uh, but then you got to go to high school, and it's a new game there. But there was a lot of Native Americans there. There was a lot of Native American athletes. And um, we had a lot of family cousins that were pretty, sh- pretty tough, and they could hold their own, and they made sure nobody messed with us. So we were very fortunate. But I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I felt it. I know this community really didn't like me so much. <clears throat> um, but I never thought of it as being Native American. I just thought of it because I was brown. Because I've seen how other brown people were treated too, so didn't it feel different? <clears throat> I don't think the people in the community even knew I was Native American or what that even meant. To be honest, they just knew I was brown. <clears throat> and so, you know, and going through sports here in Ukiah High School, you ha- it's it's really political. Like you, you know, if you if you're not playing with the with the same players from from uh, elementary to junior high to high school, then you're you, you don't. It's it's hard to make a team because every you know it's all family friends around this county and the coaches are family and friends you know and they don't want to disappoint the kids that they're having barbecues with you know and I get that you know um, so so it just never felt never felt like I was ever one in a community the uh, the curriculum they taught had nothing to do with the curriculum I was being taught so for me my whole life remember my whole life I was raised Native American and this is what people don't understand. My mother was the tribal administrator. She taught me that this county, the Board of Supervisors in this county and Sonoma County removed their people from Lake Mendocino so they could build a dam. This county in 1957, 1957 she was around 10 years of age. So not only did she witness it, she was the one moved as a child. She was the one that watched her parents and her grandparents get moved. Forcibly, you know, not happily about it, moved, getting kicked out of there. So I was taught it. And it wasn't until the late 80s when, when uh, we actually got water to our reservation for new homes. And the local community fought giving us water. No the matter, you know, they didn't want to build new they didn't want us to build homes on our new reservation. And our old reservation was Lake Mendocino. It just, you know, so I was in a whole different world than anybody else in Ukiah, just a whole different world. And so when my worlds met, uh, collided or, or interacted, when, my, when our worlds interacted, I didn't understand theirs. I didn't have fun playing video games. I didn't understand why kids went to play video games after school. I went and worked. I didn't understand why they didn't have to work. I didn't understand those things. All I knew was I had to, and I wanted to, because it was my father's business. I wanted to help him. I wanted to help my mother pay for bills. You know, she couldn't really afford clothes for me. So I had to make sure I worked in the summer to help. So for me, I just lived in two different worlds. And it wasn't until we started interacting on the radio, telling our story about what we're doing, Pomo Country's doing in the Jackson Demonstration State Forest and how we're coming together as a community and uh, and, and evolving as a community, transforming as a community, um, and being able to start to share my story on the radio which is hard because it's hard to tell my story. It's hard to put my story into words because the words that I have to share are about what this community did to my people. And not, at, not, not hundreds of years ago, not 100 years ago in 1957, you know, to my great-grandmother who I lived with until I was 18, my great-uncles who I lived with until I was mid-20s and 30s, you know, my mother that I still live with today, witness. I was a witness, and now that I'm learning to be able to put these, these, uh, my, my story into words that are still uh, acceptable uh, and relatable to the non-Indian, um, has given me a power that I never had. I always say, I, you, when, I was, when, when someone would come at me, I would get mad before I got sad. And when you get mad before you get sad, you don't know how to explain what's going on in the situation. So you react. Now, I know how to become sad first and realize the reality that these people just do not know my story because they were never taught from their grandparents or their parents in their schools. And I'm not talking about these state schools where we get shipped off. Talking about junior high, Ukiah High, Mendocino College, all the way up the curriculum for Native Americans is absent, and the curriculum for their own people is obviously it's prevalent. So now I feel like it's my duty to figure out a way to connect with this community so my people are also remembered in Mendocino County. And that's why I take a lot of video, that's why I put up websites, that's why I interact with the community now, and that's why I'm on the radio, because I want people to understand that I have a unique story and I'm capable of sharing it in a way that will engage the audience versus turn the audience away. That's what it created for me. I'm still involved. I'm figuring it out. Last night I was up all night trying to figure it out. You know, I'm trying to figure out my life every every night before I go to bed so I can start the morning ready. You know. So yeah. Boy, uh, I feel that. Well, what do you think about that? Oh, there you go. Well, That's I need I answer. think
0: I, I mean the first thing I think is that you are the tribal chairman of the Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Indians. So not just, you know, not just you have ideas, not just you have stories, but you also have a degree of political power and leadership where you are building these things in your community. And I know that there's currently um a... Pomo language class at the high school now, taught by Buffy Schmidt, which is incredible, and you're doing Pomo Pathways at the college, and so it's um, these ideas and these stories that you have, you're also turning into tangible programs. I don't know if you're involved with Buffy in the the high school one, but certainly with Pomo Pathways at the college, um, you're making these things a reality that are accessible to Pomo people across our community, and also making sure that yeah. <laughs> Uh, non-POMO, non-native people are hearing these stories and it's factoring in now. It's part of the story of, uh, the larger story of Mendocino County that can't be ignored or swept under the rug or pretend like it's not there. It's like you coming forward and participating in this radio station and in the, the movement to protect Jackson and in all of these ways that you are advocating for POMO people and for your communities is really making a difference in this community,
2: you know, I have to give some credit to uh, to <clears throat> in high school, in junior high, I had a vice principal, and his name was Mr. Campbell, an amazing man that realized that we just had a different way of life, and he recognized it, and he always made sure there was a pathway to success for us. Our principal at that time did not. The principal actually called me in. He he would go. I was thinking of this story last night. <clears> this <throat> is junior high, eighth grade. I did pretty good in grades. You know, I played basketball, did all that stuff, so you have to qualify. This uh, the principal would call every student in that was graduating. And I'm the so first time you know he ever really showed some interest in me. So I show other than trying to discipline me, but I've never been suspended. And the he sits down and meets with me and says, well, Michael, I was a smart butt, you know, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, w- I wasn't trying to accept what they were teaching me. And so to their minds, I, was, I wasn't engaged. And they were right. I wasn't engaged because I was learning history from my great-grandmother. I didn't need to learn theirs, you know. Other than reading and math, I should have did more than that. But <clears throat> he tells me, hey, uh, so you're graduating, and you've never been suspended before. I said, well, what would you say? And he said, you've never been suspended. I said, you called me? And remember, I, I had a smart mouth, but I was a grown boy at eighth grade. I was already, you know, I was, I was working a lot by then. <laughs> you know, most people weren't working by eighth grade. You know, So I was a man making money and helping my mother out. And I said, so you called me in here just to tell me that I've never been suspended before. You don't think I know that? I said, well, see what you could do. I'm sure you'll try to do something about that. I got up and walked out in eighth grade. I didn't care. You know, really didn't care. I didn't value his opinion. And no more two weeks later, I got suspended and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, right. So, I did get detention a lot. You know what I'm saying? I had detention after school detention all the time. Yeah, so. I did too. I you know, I, was, I wasn't into the system. I didn't think you should be inside a room in the middle of the day when we should be playing. So, I was late from recess and breaks all the time. You know? Yeah, right. More, I was normal. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I've seen. Exactly. They me was, and, uh, I missed, I got real sick. And I saw so I, I didn't make it to after school, uh, after school detention. And I told the teacher that had it, I said, Hey, I'm real sick, but I don't want to get in trouble. Is it cool? You know, he said, No, go on, get on the bus, make it hurry, go real quick. I said, All right. And I got suspended before I came back. I got a uh a call. I was like, well, What I guess I got suspended. And so then when I went back, I didn't get to go back to school after like Friday or Monday. And I went and asked Mr. Zawiki at the time. I said, Hey, man, what are you doing suspending me? I asked you if I could get on the bus and go home. And you said, what? You got suspended? I was writing you up again for not coming for the last two days. And I was like, I've been suspended. And he went and tore the principal up, let him know what he felt. And I stood there and watched. And that was one of my greatest moments, you know, have another teacher stick up for you when they know they were wrong. So it was worth it. It, it, matters. Worth it. Yeah, it matters.
0: Yeah, it matters. it matters.
2: And that was a story for me. You know, I was... I was either beating the system because I didn't want to be involved in their system or, you know, I was getting disciplined for beating their system. <laughs> you know, it's funky. It's funky. But that was the life. That was my life. You know, I'm sure there are many, many others, whether you're Native American or not have dealt with these kind of things, you know? And what I've come to just realize is at the end of the day, we're all in this together. We, we just have no choice, you know? And, If people don't understand by now that Mother Earth, the earth, the dirt you walk on, the trees you see, the water you drink, isn't what created us as humans, like really created us, not apes, not God. You know, those are things we pray to maybe and get some more um, good energy to help us move on, do good things. But you're created by science, man. You know, we're created and the fact that we're not out there engaged in protecting the very thing that feeds us, gives us fluid, actually created us from a nutrient, a groan, that we don't protect this, to me, is insanity.
0: A little disconnect. The fact, totally disconnected. Yeah,
2: disconnected, right. And the fact that we can't see that, that you know, just... We graduate, I graduated in 92. If you can't see what happened in 92 and 95 when everybody got laid off up to this point, then you're not paying attention.
0: Yeah. This is Pomo Perspective uh, with your host, Michael Hunter. I'm Alicia Bales at the board here, and we have in the studio with us Doug Bro. Hello, Hi, Doug. This
1: is Doug at Pledge Central. Go online. It's so easy. Go online, kzwax.org, and donate online. It's simple. It's quick. It's immediate.
0: This show alternates with Mendo Latino, public affairs in Spanish, Monday mornings at 9 a.m., and also Good Ancestors and Local Treasures with Kareen Pierce looking at Pomo Arts and Culture, which is another show that I never miss. Uh, frequently, I will sit there in my kitchen listening and doing nothing else because I value that program so much. I just sit and absorb Corrine's incredible knowledge of the artists that she brings on sometimes Oh, she is
2: she she, she's so great yeah i don't i don't know if if, uh her mother barbara groman was one of my mentors and she worked at consolidated tribal health project and she did so much outreach with us young ones and made sure that we could have her biggest thing was to make sure if we made a team if we made a, a school team that she would get us our shoes. And so she always said, I want to make sure that you guys always have the best looking shoes out there because it matters. And I always thought that. And I always look back and go, man, I had the sickest shoes. I really did. And it mattered at that age. That, is, you know?
0: that really does matter to kids, too. It really makes a difference.
2: Right. And so imagine how great Corinne is. I mean, you have a mother like that passing down those traditions, you know, and, and there's a difference. You, you know, I always say in the Indian world, it's traditional. In the non-Indian world, it's more taught. So it's written down and then it's taught. But for the things that we've done in our culture, it's traditional. So beating, you have to do it over and over and over and over. And that's why I'm not a beater. For basketry, you have to do it over and over. It's taught, it's practiced for years and years. And that's why I don't do bath, you know, weave baskets. because I don't have that patience that they that Corinne does. But oh my God, they're so amazing. They're such an amazing family. And 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 uh, Buffy Schmidt, she's the real deal. Those two women are the real deal. You got this community is so lucky to have two tribal leaders from from Pomo Country that that know inside and out how to weave baskets, how to make the baskets, how to gather, how to create, and they know the culture so well that they practice it on the daily. That's called tradition. Traditional, you
0: know. Well, Michael, well, we know. have a we have yeah. a caller. Would you like to take a call? Sure. Okay. Good morning, caller. You're live on Pomo Perspective.
3: Uh, yes. Hello. So, um, I would wondered if Mister Hunter had a perspective on the work of Samuel Barrett.
2: Oh man, is this where I'm? This I knew these. I was waiting for these questions where I'm supposed to know what they're talking about. and I have no clue, and I wouldn't know how to respond. Can you help me at least as my interpreter, my community interpreter?
0: Can, well, I don't know either. So can caller? Oh, can, God, that I know. No, we're both sitting here right. looking at each other like no perspective. What okay, is, can okay, you give okay. us a little more context, please, caller?
3: Sure. Samuel Barrett graduated from Ukiah High in 1899. He got the first. Uh, master's degree in anthropology at uc berkeley his thesis was the ethnogeography of the pomo and he also wrote many other books on pomo culture
2: ah uh, that is something you are right i should know this i'll tell you that i'm going to write that down right now ask me that samuel alfred barrett was born in
0: 1879 in conway arkansas there's, there's stuff online about him. Interesting okay. that somebody who's known uh, in, in the white community for studying Pomo is completely unknown.
3: <laughs> but, well, I also right. worked with David. He also worked with David Perry at Sonoma State and developed Native American films, where he filmed elders performing traditional uh, uh, you know, cultural aspects.
2: Interesting. Incredible I'll look
0: him person, up. incredible career. All right. Well, thanks for the yeah. tip.
2: Yeah, okay. that's great. Connecting, Thank you for sharing.
0: Connecting stories.
2: Um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to talk uh, um, a little bit about Mendocino College, if that's cool. Unless you guys have something to share real quick.
0: We have another on-air call. Would you like to take it? Sure. Okay. Let's see. Let me press all the right buttons. Hello, caller. You are live on the air.
3: Hello. This is uh, John from CoPolo. The woodshop guy, (laughs) I talked to Michael uh, several times, but I just heard a report out of Japan that part of their new sustainable forestry model includes what they're calling self-employed forestry, where artists and craftspeople are going out into the forest and doing Uh, some thinning and uh, uh, utilizing this uh, small diameter wood and and some of these, um, you know, understory uh, (laughs) uh, trees that are choking up the forest and creating this uh, terrible fire hazard. And uh, the thing that they featured was a Uh, Artist that was going out and harvesting birch bark and and making these containers and uh, you know folding it up as origami and and making all of these uh, you know things that could be sold in the marketplace. Uh, But I didn't think anything was as as impressive as what I'd been doing, making furniture out of this. uh, fuel load reduction would, and I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, uh, this self-employed forestry model is being developed in Japan.
0: All right, thanks uh-huh. for the call. It's great, a hopeful vision for uh, what what we can actually create and accomplish uh, given the circumstances that we're in and the 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 shape that the forest is in these days after a century and a few years of devastation logging that's been happening in our community so thanks for that all right you wanted to talk about mendocino college michael
2: well well i just want to just touch a little bit on what was john is great wealth of knowledge he actually makes great furniture and what he's talking about taking that understory out and making good furniture out of it he really knows how it's, i've We've we've know we he's got to know me and I've got to know him. I appreciate you, John. And you know that's 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 the, one of the topics that I try to share with the state and Secretary Crowfoot is about the Jackson Demonstration State Forest is a majority of your budget of their budget is spent on staff that is not here in Mendocino County and building roads and logging. So the understory, when they talk about understory cleaning and trimming and doing all that stuff to take that out, that's a small portion of their budget. So that tells you where their priorities are. If, they're, if they spend a majority of, their, of the money into building roads, that means you have to cut down more trees, more dry land. If you cut down, if you spend more money just to have a staff outside in Sacramento to administrate what's happening out here, that's bad, too. What we're setting is take the same amount of money that you use and pay the people that are doing the understory. Shift it. Take that budget and put it to restoration. And that then you'll get people like John out there. You'll get families out there. You'll get the locals out there benefiting from that and taking the right timber because you'll take the smaller timber because it's the understory. You know, it's, 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 common, it's common sense. We have to start thinking more common sense. And John, I really appreciate your common sense. I was gonna talk about uh, the college who really started this at the beginning for me was Arturo Reyes. He was the former pre- uh, president for Mendocino College. He tried to engage with me because I went back to school at, at, as a chairman and a grandparent. What a perspective that was. Uh, I went back to school and he would come and talk to me. He knew who I was. He made it a point to find out who I was. And I was just trying to be on the down low after college. And he kept coming to me. And I'm talking semester after semester. And I said, this guy must be real. I'll I'll, I'll host a meeting for him and get the tribes together. And that's how we created the Pomo Plaza. And he said, the first thing I want to do is show you that we recognize you. And then that's how that was created. So Arturo Reyes really started the the, uh, the integration of the school system with our tribe helped us create Pomo Pathways, funded it, got it to our reservation. And so he, he believed in my vision, he invested in my vision, and he actually executed on the college side. Ever since then, it's fell apart, though, just so you know. It has? God, darn
3: it. Oh.
2: Uh, yeah, the people that are running it, not the teachers and professors, uh, the, the admin side that are running it, the more interested in championing Championing the uh, Pomo Pathways, then they are interested in making it successful. In
0: operating it, what is Pomo yeah. Pathways? Just for people who aren't in the know,
2: right? So when I went back to college, I, the hardest subjects that I took and that were the most challenging before I even went back to college was math and English and public speaking. <laughs> and when I went back, um, those were the three that I had to challenge myself. And I did, and I did it. And I said, you know what? Maybe that's the same with a lot of people, a lot of uh, my my family. What if I built this, uh, a, offered these classes on a smaller scale at a reservation so where it's more intimate? You don't have to, um, you know, look, you, you feel like you're going to embarrass yourself in front of other people that may be more knowledgeable about, uh, about this specific um, subject. But when you're with your own, it feels comfortable asking more questions. Hey, good question. You got a good question? And so that's what we focused on. And we built it. And we built it. And then eventually when Ontario left, the college wasn't so interested. They were more interested in cutting, doing those kind of things. Right. There's
0: been a lot of changes. And I'm sure Doug, who's here live in the studio with us this morning too, who teaches at the college, has been watching all of those sort of administrative changes at the college as well, just different, different ways that the state is funding it and um, different sort of channels through the programs toward degrees and transfers and certificates and things.
2: Right. It's
0: always I mean, shifting just around. Think budget. about
2: this. We're probably one of the few, we're the only Mendocino College classes on a reservation. Right, we help fund it too. So we pay for our parenting, food. We help Incredible. do all that kind of stuff. We we have, you know, we make it easy, um, easier for for single parents, you know, and and
0: uh, and it happens out on Coyote Valley Reservation. Yeah, is yeah. it like in the community center, or are there classrooms, or how does that work?
2: Yeah, we built a computer lab. There they are. It's pretty sick at our gymnasium. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Sick. Wow. Yeah, I know. And so they, they, they come over and use it a lot, you know? And I don't even know how I was going with that last comment on what she's talking about. But anyway, that was a part of my Mendocino culture. Oh, what I was saying was if, if we're the only satellite um, on a reservation for Mendocino County, how come the president hasn't reached out to me to talk to me about mm-hmm. it? I've spoken to Tomaggio, who's on the board. Uh, On the education board of the college, right? He's there's a him.
0: new president out there. Arturo yeah, Reyes is he, gone, and there's a new. He's president. not
2: even. Yeah, and the dude hasn't even reached out to me once to say, "Hey, how is Pomo Pathways going?" Interesting. That tells you the interest. And see, for what I do is, I don't go reach out to them because when I reach out to to the non-Indian world, they're not engaged. So I don't do it. So it's one of the. Loopholes or the hoops I put in front of them is you have to contact me because then at least I know you're engaged and you're interested, not just taking my call, you know. And he's not interested, but I don't blame him. You know, we're only three percent of the population. I I understand why, but hey, he's got a couple classes in there for Native Americans, you know. I would, if you really want to, if you really want to make a difference, you got to make them core classes. You can't have us as electives. Just think about that. We're an elective. We have our brother on the phone with us on now doing a pledge. He, he does ceramics. We're in ceramics. How do you feel about that? Can you give me some perspective on that? Like, how are we elected with ceramics, but not in the core curriculum, mm-hmm. like English, math, history, geography? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we could go on, yeah. but it's, it's a different perspective, different angle. It's really, uh, it only works if both people are talking to each other collaborating and creating together it's that but that's not what the system is
0: so i'm really intrigued by this um idea of having the classes at the reservation so that people feel more safe and more comfortable to ask questions and to be present what's what is the difference have you experienced both settings and 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 how is it different
2: you know i yeah for sure i did um i i attend just I attend a few because I want to see it. you know I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to witness it that's something that uh, that I helped create with Arturo. i wanted I wanted to see its the success. I was in it to win it. And uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, Native American single mothers that come up to me and thank me to this day. and I follow them on social media, they follow me. And when we host rallies, they show up because they know how much committed I am in them and in their community. You know, so they show that same commitment. It's, it's a beautiful feeling to help people. It's a beautiful feeling. We're fortunate. I'm very fortunate. And that's why I want to know what kind of interaction can happen between, you know, Ukiah and Coyote Valley. You know, what what, what can we do more? I'm worried about the state of our county. You, uh, I, We see a recession coming. You also see a drought, which means ag's going to start moving north. You also see... Um, the the marijuana industry dropped seventy percent. Seventy percent. I drive around. I'm like, what is keeping this community going? And I'm pretty sure it's probably the county is one of the is the largest employer, and so they probably yeah. keep it going.
0: And you know? and maybe
2: healthcare. Healthcare is big. Healthcare is yeah. big. But you only have people if they're here to work. Right. And Mm -hmm. so that's the county. Then the county people get sick, they go to the healthcare. you know. So I'm worried about it. And I I don't think our leadership is paying attention or has the skills. You know, our leadership hasn't built homes and a casino and a gas station. You know, I just happen to have insight on doing both. So I've built a community, you know, so I've learned I've learned these things. And the questions I'm asking and learning, I don't hear our leadership asking and learning. Because if we're not learning right now and keeping up and preparing for next year or the year after, I think there's something coming. And we can't blame the government. We, gotta, we can't blame the government. They're paying for everybody here to work. we to—we got to start demanding that our leadership come up with solutions, not going into public meetings and say, hey, public, tell me what you think I should do. Mm. You're our leaders. Take leadership. Go out there, learn, study. We, we have to be prepared for the next year or two. And that's what I'm preparing my community for. When it comes to water, we're working on, matter of fact, I'll be going out there to meet with a solar, pro, solar professional to build a solar project because I don't want it to be dependent on the leadership in this county. Senator McGuire, Assemblyman Wood, Congressman Huffman, uh, the Board of Supervisors, I don't want to be dependent on these people to make sure that we have enough water, that we are you know, fire resilient, that we're going towards that. You know, that our economy, that you know, we do have other options other than government and healthcare for our economy.
0: Well, uh, I think that know. that's actually a very common feeling here in our county. We sort of have a strong independent streak. A lot of people living off the grid. A lot of people came here to create a culture that wasn't dependent on the government and that was alternative and independent. And you've got that same streak of independence out at the reservation and among Pomo communities for very different reasons though i'll say very different reasons but um yeah it's one of those things and i it's interesting because one of the things that keeps government working is when people hold it accountable you know and so the last couple years since trump was elected i've i've struggled myself to sort of understand the balance between engaging with The system and stepping away from the system because you understand its limitations and building alternatives that that really serve the communities. And I don't know what the right answer is. But I think that your leadership out at Coyote Valley showing um, the way that a government works to truly serve its people. To share resources and to build housing and to get the infrastructure to serve the people, to create jobs for the people who live there. I think it's a real uh, example. For the government of Mendocino County to look toward about where you know what needs what a government needs to do, what it what you know why it exists is to serve people and make their lives better. We certainly have a lot of issues here in Mendocino County that people are struggling and suffering um, from you know from people being criminalized from housing from drug use and abuse and from um, you know domestic violence and crime. All of these things, poverty in our county. And you know, you look at communities around us, from Humboldt down to Sonoma um, and, and around, and you see, you know, a lot of programs and a lot of advocacy that, you know, sometimes I look around and wonder what's going on here in the county you know why why don't we have a strong advocacy network why don't we have cop watch why don't we have civil liberties monitoring happening in the courts why aren't we holding our da and our sheriff more accountable for the choices that they're making and all of our elected representatives you know it's like um you know i again i guess i'm just going off on a riff here because there's a mic in front of me we're in our pledge drive we're here with you michael and we're you know we're doing pomo perspective this Morning, but it, these are just a lot of questions that I ask, thinking about um, the radio station and the role that that we play here. It's one of the reasons why your voice is so important to have in this conversation. Like I said, as an example of of what government actually can do, you know, when it's set up to serve its community, its and the people.
2: Well, it's not it's not as complicated as we make it out to be. Let's let's water. We all can agree we're in a drought we could all agree you should probably stop using all the water because if you do ag is going to move and what are you going to do with those jobs It's, it's not it's not that hard quit expanding moratorium on logging moratorium on water it's moratorium is my new thing moratorium 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 you know um and then you have electricity right so solar well, we're doing it, like I said, and there's, there's grants out there for the counties to do these now, but the people in leadership aren't out there hustling for it. They're not working for it. How am I able to do it with the less population than the county is?
0: That's a good question. Go for the
2: same grants. Right. Matter of fact, they have two grants. They get to go after federal and state. We only really get to go after federal. Federal and state they get to go after. You're telling me you don't have a solar farm yet? You haven't been planning this? Where are you? Where are you right now? You've seen all those money come down for the federal government. How are you not tapping into it to build those resources? Water? Stop using it. Or slow down. Or measure
0: how much you're using.
2: Hey, hey, electricity, solar's the game. We don't have water to build electricity now, so solar's the game. It's not rocket science. And what's the third one? Don't cut your forest any more than you already have because you're creating fires in your backyard. Those are three simple ones. And our leadership cannot step up and say, hey, moratorium on those three things, or those two things, and then do solar. But how, I mean, come on, let's be real. Our leadership doesn't even tell CAL FIRE to stop logging. We're not going in the right direction. So it's not complicated. It's not rocket science. It's really simple. You see us out there doing it. We're doing it. We're all smart. Our community's smart. And we're survivors. It's just, the, it's just, It's just um, we have to stop depending on our leadership to come up with solutions because they're not going to.
0: All right. We are in the last five minutes here of Pomo Perspective. KZYX.org. You can make a donation right there on the web. Uh, It's real quick. It takes two or three minutes max, and then it's done. Um, we have a $100,000 goal, overall total goal for our pledge drive. That's what we need for our operation expenses for the next six months, and then we really do. That is the number. We have to make it to that number. Uh, and we're so far at $20,411. you have taken us up over the $20,000 mark this morning. Thank you so much, Michael. And we still have $79,000 to go go in the next six days. So let's do this thing. Let's get this momentum rolling. Keep that money coming in for Pomo Perspective and all of the programming here on KZYX. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for being a guest pitcher. We love to hear the voices of more than just the regular crew that you hear every week. So thanks Doug for coming in and helping to add your voice to the to the the effort here.
2: And and you have such a great radio voice, Doug. Gosh Thank you.
1: I've got um, a, a good friend of mine that um, used to have a wonderful, Pilar Duran, Pilar. used to have a, just a fantastic uh, Friday radio program. Um, and she, uh, when I said that to her one time, she said, yeah, I've got a great face for radio. <laughs>
0: Pilar, Pilar used <laughs> so to come, thank come on you, after Michael. me. Oh,
1: thank you so much. And here's a little something that I got, I'll share with you all, that said um, that... It's in nature has given us one tongue, but two ears. And that should tell us that we should all speak half as much as we should listen, or at least we should listen twice as much as we speak. And I want to thank you all very much. Take care.
0: Thanks, Doug. That's Doug Bro, sitting in, helping us pitch here on Pomo Perspective. I'm Alicia Bales on the air with Michael Hunter. We're going to be back at you with Pomo Perspective in four weeks. You come here on the third Monday of every month from 9 to 10 a.m., and you'll be back next month.
2: Yes